Welcome back, Bulls Nation, to another episode of the Nothing But Bull Podcast. I'm your host, Derek, and as always, I'm here with my main man, Just B. Justin, what's going on? Nothing much, just a lot of angry eating last night, so <laughs> I don't know if any of you all joined in that same, same thing. <laughs> and of course, Melissa, how's it going? Good, guys. Um, I actually did go ahead and do the pizza after all the after all the putting the food in the cart and exiting the app i did it last night a lot of regrets we have morris joining us morris how's it going man uh pretty good i wish uh i wish last night didn't make me like like yeah just go to bed angry basically uh i didn't angry eat but angry slept and uh, but I feel semi-better. <laughs> and if you don't know, Morris is a devoteful Bulls Nation personality on Twitter, runs Bulls game day threads, and reminds everybody every day Patrick Williams <laughs> snatching Jason Tatum's ankles in the UC <laughs> twice. <laughs> Hashtag Jason Tatum's ankles. Yes. <laughs> we we I'm keeping that alive for the whole season uh, because it's still beautiful. Every time I look at the clip, like he really broke his ankles, like perfectly cooked them. Yeah. Thank you for uh, continuing to um, create pet vibe, positive pet vibes. We need that. Uh, especially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, the thing with Pat, I I genuinely like empathize with him or sympathize with whichever one you, you want to call because I, I can only imagine what it feels like for him at this stage of his career. And he's just you know trying to come along, like get better on the job. And you see the effort he's putting in, it's happening. And I, to me, it's just like, I, I have no way of contacting him or whatever. I just want to put it out there in the world. Like, hey man, you you got it. You can do these things. Like you can be the man, basically. Um, like at the very base level, the whole bit, like with the the Jason Tatum's thing. Um, I just think like we ha- we collectively as a fan base, we have to continue to be patient with him um, because NBA development. You look at a lot of these players that like are coming online now and they're becoming like the guy or whatever. It's not it's not like a, a point A point B kind of thing. You just don't flip a switch, you become like a superstar. Like one person I would call out in particular that I've noticed recently, like this season, Nick Claxton on the Nets, right? Like he is a legit center this season. But, you know, two or three seasons ago, like you kind of were wondering, like, what were the Nets thinking trading Jason, um, I'm sorry, Jerry Allen away? Like that was like a legit center. And you see what he does on the Cavs right now. But it's just like, you know, things like this happen in the league so much where I feel like fan bases, they kind of like, overstep their bounds or like they just jumped the gun too soon and like wanted to give up on somebody. Yeah. yeah, it's true what you're saying because like like for one thing, with this uh league pass, this is the first time I've actually like paid for league pass. So I'm able to actually catch up on a lot of what's going on in the NBA. And as exciting as the NBA is, there's a lot of bad habits 
that you see in the league, uh, especially with young players, young players who are allowed to, in other uh, circumstances, put up stats. But a lot of those stats are just empty stats. You know, um, you have a lot of guys who are averaging, you know, career highs and points, you know, doing doing their thing offensively. From the defensive end, it's a totally different story. I don't know who is playing NBA or who is playing defense in the NBA right now. Um, why, I can be honest with you, nobody really is playing defense in the NBA. Um, but just not um, from a defensive standpoint, offensively, there is just a lot of bad habits that you see that are like just festering around the, the league. And, it, you know, from a fan standpoint, from like a casual fan, you might not notice it as much. You might just go to the game and just tune in, just be like, oh, this guy's putting up like 20 something points a game. But it's not really affecting winning. Um, and so that's why I was happy uh, last night. Uh, Stacy pointed something out with Pat that I thought that a lot of people need to keep in mind. He was like saying how people were uh, criticizing him for not getting a lot of rebounds. And he was saying that uh, Pat is, is guarding like the best player on the court. You know, he's around the perimeter a lot because all of the, the great players are, I shouldn't say great players, the seemingly great players are good to seemingly great. Uh, players play along the wing and Pat is picking up that defensive assignment regularly taking a lot of the stress that would be put on a player like Zach Levine's um, caliber or DeMar's caliber you know something that they would have to carry even though Pat uh, Zach is doing a lot better defensively and we've all acknowledged that but he's not in that position to grab the rebounds that are being filtered to Booch who is having a, a very good year as far as defensive rebounding. Um, and there, there is like a lot of patience that needs to be displayed by fans. That being said, we need Pat to be a consistent player uh, on a nightly basis. I think everybody can agree with that. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> He has a good game, and you have the people on Twitter that are praising him. And as soon as he has a bad game, you got the people that are, oh, he's a bust, and they should have traded him. It's like <laughs> you're not going to have a great game every single night. Nobody does. And it's basically Pat's second year. You got to develop players sometimes in the NBA. So Bulls Nation does need to be a little bit more patient with Pat. I mean, we've seen the flashes. He had but 18 and 10 against Atlanta. It was pretty much his best game of the season, other than, you know, snatching Jason Tatum's ankles. <laughs> so, I mean, he has the tools. He has the potential. He just needs the time to put it all together. Agree. Yeah, we talk about that all the time. It's just experience. It's going to come with experience. We've seen it. He just needs more time. That's all. And just also getting used to like the offensive scheme too, switching back between like ISO ball back to running some plays here and there back to ISO ball. It's, it's a, it's a lot to get used to. And he's so young, he's 21 years old and people seem to always forget still that like he barely played last year. So he just needs some time. He's getting there though. The best thing that we can see, the best thing about everything is like that confidence is starting to grow. And uh, hopefully that continues on a, consistent trajectory all the way up but um that was the biggest thing was just him 
just not being sure of himself and that hesitation. And you don't see it as much as you used to before, but the other stuff will come with time. The execution part of it, it's just getting the mindset right for me. And I think he's getting there. So I'm sticking yeah, to that. Yeah, I think the thing with Pat too, that this is this is something I notice a lot of times like just like reading through like on Twitter through the timeline and just seeing like sort of I guess both ends of the spectrum of the Pat conversation. There's there's a nuance that I think gets missed in, in Pat as a player. And and what I mean by that is Pat Pat is playing probably like the most glamorous role on this roster right now in NBA in in like 2023 modern NBA basketball. He's a wing. And like, that's to me, like the most valuable position right now. And it's not the same thing. Like, like some, some of the critiques you'll see, like you see people knock him like the, yeah, like the offensive rebounding thing. Like, oh, Pat is a six, seven, whatever pound power forward. He should be a power forward. Like the game has evolved so much. Like whatever traditional power force used to be, that, that role really doesn't exist anymore. And you definitely don't have it in the Bulls roster or even in the scheme because I'm trying not to see you up too quick, uh, Derek, but, like, you know, Billy's scheme doesn't really play through bigs consistently. And so, like, the, the whole prospect of Pat being the big, I personally have said many times in um, Twitter or whatever is I don't really think Pat is a, a big yet. I, I think his habits, his default mode on the court is wing. And like that point Stacey brought up last night was like, like, thank you. Like, I'm glad somebody's finally like starting to hit on that. Like Pat offensively, where you see him, where he's most confident is on the wing. It is on ball on the wing. Defensively, he's a switchable defender. And that's where like he can take on a, a four or a five. But I don't think just because he's a switchable defender, that means you like you should consider him be on par with like, I don't know, like, you know, I'm not gonna say he's like uh Anthony Davis or something. Like he he is very much a versatile wing. And it's it's in, really the ball to me is on the Bulls organizations to actually if they want him to be a power forward, develop him as such. Mm-hmm. Put the resources around him where he grows and he continues to, to develop in that. But also don't hold him back from just being like what he can be right now, which I think is a very effective NBA wing. Yeah, we we said several times like Pat would probably be better off as a three and being on the wing. And it's kind of on Bulls management because they constructed this roster where they get brought in DeMar and just automatically push Pat down to power forward when. He's really a three. Yeah. I mean, I thought that when he got bitch, that was the best thing for him. And for me, like, I think him come off the bench as DeMar's backup is exactly what he should be doing right now. Um, I appreciate the fact that he gives his effort and, he, and it, he's done some amazing things in the starting lineup. But long-term development-wise, I think he would probably benefit more if he were developing as DeMar's backup. Because in another season or so, like, the Bulls are going to have to make a decision about what they're doing with DeMar. And you will, you know, if it's possible he gets brought back, that's cool. But you would feel probably a lot more confident about, you know, if you need to go move on beyond DeMar, here you have Pat who's developed in the role for a couple of seasons, had consistent reps, like, no, understands fundamentally, like, what it means to be the three in, in the starting lineup or in the, and just in the roster in general. Yeah, and the big part, like, 
that again, that goes to management and that goes to Billy. Like you, we've talked about this several times on this about this Bulls roster. I don't know if like the Bulls don't necessarily have enough of what they need because I've seen other teams with less. And we were talking about this last night about how the Miami Heat can you know trot out a lineup that doesn't feature you know Jimmy Butler or you know anybody that you would think would prosper on an NBA roster and they somehow manage to get it done, get a win. And that's really with having players who are in defined roles, who are comfortable with that role because from the beginning of their career path in the Heat organization, it has been, you know, determined what their role is going to be. They don't have to step outside of that role. Just do your role to the best possible ability. Um, the, the one thing that I will say about Pat is that if he is our fourth option, fourth or fifth option, I don't know that many guys as a fourth or fifth option who are going to pick up the defensive assignments that he's picking up while also shooting like close to 45% from three. I, I don't see that happening in the NBA. Um, I would like to see Pat getting more opportunities with the three like Melissa was uh, talking about earlier just a matter of confidence there's too many times that I see in the the Bulls offense that he does have a shot and because of the type of player that he is and his you know his abilities within that whole scheme and just like being willing to make that extra pass he does give it up to other players but at the same time, he has to understand, I am the one who is shooting a high percentage from three. So we need you to take those shots and not pass it up to another player. Um, but again, it's like, does he have that defined role of understanding, like, this is what we need you to do coming in? Because from the beginning of the year, I didn't necessarily see that he had a defined role. Um, and like you were mentioning before, um, um, with like him sitting out of the offense. I don't know if that was necessarily good for his growth and development or if it was a bad thing. I just know that we weren't seeing the production that we were used to, but it's not just a Pat thing. We've seen other players on this team not have defined roles, go someplace else with the defined role and prosper. We set out with Kobe. Kobe did not necessarily have a defined role. But now because Kobe has a defined role and uh, also with the work ethic that he has, you see him starting to develop some very good habits that are helping this team win. Um, so going forward, you know, I, I believe that, like you said, uh, Morris earlier, that Pat is the future of this team. But you got to pick a lane. Is he going to be the power forward of the future or is he going to be, you know, uh, the second coming of DeMar? Like we, we got to find that out. And unfortunately, with the way the Bulls are constructed, we got to kind of find that out relatively quick because there's some looming decisions that are coming up with what are we doing with DeMar? What are we doing with Booch? Um, is Lonzo going to come back and, and be any type of player that we thought that he was going to be? So the Bulls have to, to find what that is in a, in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. A problem with trying to find that out is we don't have any power forwards to <laughs> play him at the small forward. So, yeah. 
That's what it always goes back to the roster construction. Wait a minute, we do have a power forward. He just doesn't play. So Ooh. You've been talking about Marco minutes for the longest time. He's not a power forward. We have a bit I have a guy who can somewhat play that position. I'm just saying like an extra body of some type that can come in. Like I I am appreciative of what Derek Jones Jr. provides for this roster and the type of player that he is. But like you were mentioning, like that power forward position, the center position, a lot of times that gets to be interchangeable in today's NBA. You need to have some other big coming off of your bench besides Andre Drummond, who does not get played for whatever reason. Uh, that's a totally different <laughs> subject. But we need to have some other big on there who can eat into those. I want to. I don't want to even say power forward minutes. I just want to say big minutes. So, like, and I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying that Marco is the answer. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> like, but Mark- he is on the roster on certain occasions. Marco is in the sunken place because he's been stuck in the G <laughs> League for three years. I don't consider him on this roster because Billy clearly does not. Hey, the man was on the bench. They took him to Paris. That, that's, that was, that was, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Like, at least it was nice they took him to Paris. That was nice. <laughs> that was the most <laughs> of him representing the Bulls was in Paris. Yeah. Cool. I, I have to be honest. Like, I just I, – I pretty routinely question, like, what are we doing with the G League program? What are we doing with the Windy City Bulls? I, I mean, it's, it's – I mean, every team has a G League team at this point, but you probably—I just feel like in the NBA at this point, you can name like you know who like the two or three teams that actually are using the G their G League roster as a competitive advantage to get better to be a contender to compete. Um, it's you know it's, it's the Heat, it's um, you know the Rap. Well, you know the Raptors aren't good this season. I mean, they've leveraged the rap their their G League in the past, and you know, obviously get to like a title. The Warriors make use of G Leaguers. I, I just wonder, like, why, why, what, what is the purpose of, of our G League? Because, you know, Warriors last season going win a title with GP two, you know, journeyman G Leaguer, and it's like, why aren't we finding the the GP two out of the Windy City Bulls? Why, why we keep bouncing Marco and DT back and forth just to give them minutes that seemingly don't translate into the the real game. Uh, I think they were kind of like probably forced to have a G League team. So, <laughs> so hey, we got to win some games here so we can sell some tickets. So, Marco, yeah. DC, going to win the city. I don't know. Like, we had um, Bobo on the G League team. Didn't do anything with him. He's like putting it together now where he's getting minutes. Um, unfortunately, Justin Lewis got hurt. I was hoping like that would be the guy that we developed in the G League and we would bring him up and actually play him minutes because he could be a power forward and we have zero. Yeah, I was hopeful for that. I mean, and then they they took his contract away. It would still have him around the team, so hopefully they'll 
offer him a two-way for next season when he's healthy. Um, had Giannis's brother, and you let him <laughs> I think they gave it to Carly Jones, who we have way too many guards as it is, so that served no purpose. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what the plan is for the Winning City Bulls. It's like they're just there. More money for um, old man Jerry. It's pretty much yeah. <laughs> the purpose of them. They got sweet bobbleheads, right? Yeah, they they had better bobbleheads <laughs> than the actual bulls. <laughs> so they put out a Demar two bobblehead from his back to back buzzer beaters. They're using all this bulls like dynasty giveaways to get people there and the bulls aren't even using that stuff well the good thing is that they're entertaining like there's been times this season where i've been like i've been on a low (laughs) in a low spot with this bulls team and i was like well i need something positive to watch that's related to the bulls let me go check out the g league and you know they're entertaining to watch um but like you were saying was it would be interesting to know like that seems like something that you know manage would be would be talking about like what are we going to be doing with this this um team of ours moving forward are we going to be bringing up players or are they just going to be sitting on the bench like and the the weird thing is and i i don't know if it's weird in the sense because we don't hear so much about what's going on with this bulls team from the front office but I would think that with the issues that have been swirling around the team, there would have been something that comes out like as far as the direction or just, you know, some type of statement from the front office just to be visible, you know? Um, But you really haven't seen it. It's just like stuff just feels like it's so up in the air uh, this year. I don't know if it's just me. That's just the way I feel with the way things have gone. I think it's up in the air because they were really hoping that Alonzo would be ready for the season and doesn't look like he's going to play. So they still really don't know (laughs) what this roster is because of the way they constructed it, where it relies so heavily on what Alonzo provides. Because with Alonzo, we were, what, first in the East for, like, most of last season? But now, without him, there's no real point guard out there. So we're struggling at times. We're inconsistent. And we blow 21-point leads because nobody can figure out a way to set the offense up to, you know, stop the bleeding. We have to go to... Damar Iso and let him get some buckets just to keep us in the game because we've let the rope go because nobody is out there that knows how to run an offense because of course Billy doesn't know what to call and I was this close this close to not having to badmouth Billy on this episode but then last night happened And it's like, what are you doing, Billy? 
I've I question my self-love because I always listen to his post-game comments. And I'm like, I, I don't know if I really love myself because why am I listening to this guy after games like this where he's like, oh, we were overwhelmed by their pressure. Their intensity was here and ours was up here in the first quarter and theirs went up here. It's like, your job is to manage that. Your job is to calm them down and figure out a game plan that is going to not blow a 21-point lead. You were still up seven to start the fourth quarter. There's no reason that the Bulls should have lost that game. Yes, they played in pairs. You got to get your body readjusted to being back in the States. You're on a back-to-back. Pacers lost seven in a row without Halliburton. It should have been eight in a row last night. But you decide to keep putting the ball in Zach Levine's hands and having him dribble up the court with a busted finger. And it results in six turnovers, four in the last two minutes of the game. After those first two, which should have been like, yeah, let's get somebody else to bring the ball up because he's clearly having a problem holding on to the ball. Get yeah, Kobe White, who could have brought the ball up. You got Io, who could have brought the ball up. Therefore, you let people go and double DeMar, and you try to get something where Zach is just running to the basket. You want to put him in a position like catch and shoot. Kind of use him like Clay Thompson where he doesn't have to do all that dribbling with his finger taped. But of course, Billy does not know how to do that. So it was just throw it to tomorrow, see if he can bail us out again. Yeah, the thing, I don't like I I had the excuse like uh, excuse button going for myself like okay you know this is the NBA the modern NBA where twenty point leads are not safe like if you turn on league pass you will see teams routinely lose twenty point leads and yes the Bulls did play in Paris and were on a back to back the night before. However, where was that issue when the Bulls were building the 20-point lead? <laughs> like, if you see, like, a lead evaporating, and I, I understand, like, again, you know, leads are not safe, but it's not like the Pacers just suddenly became hot from the three-point line. Like, the Pacers had 10 three-pointers. The Bulls had five three-pointers. At what point? did they not understand that Zach just doesn't have it? Maybe let's take that burden. Like if his hand is bothering him, let's take the burden off of him. Like you were saying, Derek, of having to bring the ball up the court and initiate that offense and put that responsibility in somebody else's hands. And I don't understand why with, one of the last plays in the game, if you were seeing that Zach is struggling and has routinely turned the ball over 
to the tune of six turnovers. Why was he the one inbounding the ball in the first place? (laughs) I don't. But, like, there should be, like, what is the Bulls' go-to? Like, when things are going down, the the go-to to to me should, let's reestablish ourselves down low with Booch and not just, like, having Booch just back the ball down, you know, into the paint, but just getting him the touch in the paint so he can distribute that ball around the perimeter like he does very well, especially from his position. But again, it's like you need somebody who has defined roles, who leads. We were like we were talking before about the front office and like really hoping that Alonzo was going to be healthy and that was going to be the big push that you were looking for. And my thing is, okay, yeah, that's nice when everything is working okay. What is your counter when you don't have that? What are you going to do? What's the plan if something else comes up that takes that away? I don't know if Billy is that person who has that vision, the foresight to understand, hey, you know what? We have what we were doing with Lonzo but we got to have something else that we can go to as a counter. The counter to me should be playing through boots like they were doing throughout the whole entire game, passing the ball around, getting players involved, because the Pacers did not have an answer for it. And we could talk about, you know, Zach not having it 4 or 14, whatever. My thing is, you're noticing that your player is struggling. What are you doing to put them in positions so that you can mask that struggle? So, again, that's – I don't want to lay it all at Billy's feet, but we've kind of seen this movie before play out. <laughs> we know how it ends. So, it, until they solve the problem of Billy, I think that's another issue that this Bulls team is going to have and continue to have moving forward. Yeah, I think the thing I'll add to the, – the thing – this sort of hung hung with me. And um, honestly, like, I was going to tweet it in my thread, but I didn't because, like, I, I was probably going to get, like, real hot-headed about it. Um, the rotations in that fourth quarter, I think that's what I would question about, Billy, is, like, what were you doing with that? I mean, you look back at the box score. I mean, AC's played 11 to 12 minutes, and he didn't score a single point. And, like, AC is a very popular player, I know, in our fan base. Um, there have been some times I like, you know, watching as many games as I've watched, like I, I question with Billy, like at what point, like there has to be sort of a tipping point where it's like, yes, AC is easily our best defender, but I think there's a, a, a limitation to that. So in some of these games, like if, if you see a team that's like scoring at will basically, and you have AC on there, AC can at least chip in on some scoring to like stem the tie. It's kind of like, I, it, it becomes like to me like a stubborn thing to like keep him in the game at the expense of potentially like bringing in Pat for a couple of minutes. Not to say that Pat needed to close, but Pat <laughs> only had like four minutes in that fourth quarter. And man, could we have used some shooting like last night in that fourth quarter? I mean, you you know, Matherin just starts going off, teeing off on us. And even in the third quarter too, with um Miles Brit um sorry, not um um Miles Turner. Um, you know, 
it just Billy, like I appreciate like in the it seems like in the beginning of the games, Billy's way more flexible with the rotations. But then like when we get into that second half, like it it's like it's like an Eschen Stone thing with him where it's like, he know, like, I'm, it's, it's five minutes in the third quarter. Let me do the hockey substitution. And AC, you're going to be out there for the next 15 minutes, basically. And it's like, and it's like when AC can do some things offensively, he, if he can hit the dimes, if he can hit shots, that's cool. But if he's not scoring, like, that's the thing that like, I feel like needs a little bit more scrutiny and a little bit more just honest conversation. Like we have AC great defender, I think AC is at his best when you pair when you're pairing him with Alonzo or like a very aggressive, like point of attack tag team defender. When it's just him and we're trying to rely on him to actually orchestrate and point guard, basically, that becomes a liability that I, I don't think his defense alone overcomes. I personally I don't care what sort of numbers might say the other the opposite, but like just my eye test, I, I think we're reaching a point where, yeah, like you know, to Justin's point, like we need a point guard, basically. I, that's that's kind of where I'm at with the team. There were just so many things that went wrong, I, and I talk about it all the time too, like the lack of just leadership in general. When when things aren't going their way, everybody panics, and you just completely forget what they're doing. Like they just forget how to play ball. They forget the fundamentals. They panic. They go to ISO ball all over again, and nobody knows what to do. Like they're out of their rhythm, and it's it's game over after that. But we don't really see with the exception of Alex and I would like to see that more, but um, you don't really see anybody really step up and like, let's bring it in. Like we gotta, we have to focus. We have to recollect ourselves. Like, and of course that's supposed to come from Billy, um, but we need a leader on the team too, a consistent leader on the team as well. Something that's going to be more vocal. It's just a, it's the same story every game. Unfortunately, most games that, that turn out this way, we play one way in the first half and it's beautiful um, they're moving the ball and then they go away from it somehow. It's like always the third quarter. Why is it always the third quarter? It's the same thing every time. And that's, what's most frustrating is because we know what they can do and it just, they just completely forget. I don't know what it is. It, and it doesn't seem like we learn from these mistakes game after game, the same ones keep repeating themselves. And so it's, that's why it's so frustrating for the fan base. Cause we're like, we get excited and we're like, okay, cool. We're turning a corner. We can finally put like our worst losses behind us. I think we've learned. And uh, that's how we felt. I think up until this game, we were, at, we had a, a really great stretch. The Paris trip was really nice. It was cool to see them all bonding. And it seemed like they were getting their chemistry, you know, the chemistry, right. They were really understanding each other. And we had that nice stretch of games and then, we're right back here. <laughs> We're right back here all over again and arguably the worst loss of the season. So I don't know. I, I don't know. It just like that last, oh my God, the fourth quarter, the last two minutes, like we just talked about like four turnovers in like two minutes. My face is turning red right now because like, I don't know. I just, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> This is my theory. They go in the locker room for halftime, and Billy's like, good job, guys. That that was working great. They're going to expect us to do that again in the next half, so what we're going to do is give the ball to DeMar. <laughs> and then the other team's just like, they're just giving the ball to DeMar. Let's just double him. And Billy doesn't change anything else, and that's what happens. Yeah, 
Like, <laughs> that, that last pass where you have Zach as the inbounder and he's panicking because <laughs> his focus is solely on DeMar. Like, he does not turn his head. He's not surveying the floor. He's just looking at DeMar. DeMar's not open. So he's like, time out. <laughs> and he misses AC wide open I under the basket. basket. Yes. Clear yeah. path to pass the ball to him. Yeah, I face palm when that happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Ariel was on the couch with me. It was way past her bedtime, but she wanted to spend time with me. So I was like, okay, let's watch a little bit of the game. She, and I, like, this is the first time I've actually scared Ariel off the couch. And I was like, what are you doing? She's eating wide open. And she just, like, jumps up with her hands like this and just, like, goes right across, across the house. And I'm like, oh, baby, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But I was like, how did you miss that, man? You were so keyed in on just getting it to one guy. And that's, like, indicative of what we see going on it's like oh panic time i gotta i gotta just do one thing i can't concentrate on multiple things that are happening around me and like that play just kind of summed it up like where the answer was so obvious and everybody in the building and that was watching (laughs) saw you needed to get the ball to alex who was right underneath the basket and you did not execute a simple play. And you know, one of the things that stood out to me, cause we talked about like lineups and everything. And I looked at Kobe's game. Kobe didn't shoot the ball exceptionally. Well. He was like only three of 11. But in certain situations, I feel like Kobe could be a lot better utilized if he's playing more with that starting lineup where he is not going to be just the main guy off of the bench, but a key piece of the offense within the flow of what's going on in the game. And I looked and I was like, how did Kobe play 23 minutes? But Io, who seemingly was not giving us much of anything, like he was competing defensively, but Io played 25 minutes. And I'm just like, if you're having trouble with the offensive execution, and it's getting stagnant. I would think that you would put more guys who are capable of putting the ball in the basket on the court at the same time. And I, I just, I don't understand like the way lineups are used and everything. I understand like they're like Kobe was like a minus, it was a minus eight, but that's more has to do with who he's playing with, not necessarily how he's competing. Um, offensively and defensively. And there were just so many times where Ayo found the ball and was like, I don't know what to do with this thing. Uh, you want me to shoot this three? I don't feel like I'm comfortable shooting threes. And I, and it showed he was only, he was 0 for 3 for, for uh, threes. Like, those are the types of things that I wish would be like a little bit more thoughtful. Why is it if Zach is not shooting well, 0 for 7 on threes? Why is it that Pat only got three three-point attempts when he's our best three-point shooter on the team. Like it, And again, I don't want to lay this at like just a young player like Pat or just a young player like Kobe, but there has to be more 
of a defined purpose of what is going on on that basketball court. And we can talk about guys needing to be professional, whatever, but we're also dealing with guys who are coming from organizations that are not known for having great head coaching positions. Vooch came from the Magic. I don't know the head coaches that were on those Magic teams, but they weren't very good. Um, Damar, he does have a pedigree with working with some very good coaches, but Zach had poor coaching. Kobe has had the bald-headed menace, as Derek likes to bring up many times. (laughs) Uh, You have a lot of these guys who just, like, we're expecting stuff of them that they they haven't necessarily had in their young career, that, like, guidance. And, you know, I, I hate to keep coming back to, we need to upgrade, not just with the point guard position, but with the head coaching position. But that is something that needs to be discussed not just with us, but also with management. I mean, I don't, the, the report came out um, after the game. They immediately had a, I guess, a players-only meeting <laughs> because Bruce just said, they had another we talked. Player? We all talked. Mm-hmm. We did all the talking. So that lets me know that Either Billy wasn't there or Billy just didn't have anything to say. But you said they had another players only meeting? Yes, they had a meeting immediately after the game, and Vooch said we did all the talking. As in only the players talk. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. I don't even think I don't even think Billy was there. He's probably doing that presser where he's just like raising my blood pressure even higher. <laughs> saying stupid things <laughs> like their intensity was here and then when he like come on man like what is going on <laughs> I know like people on the outside like they hear players only meeting and like people like yeah the players are like they're holding themselves accountable let's be honest on really good teams how often do you hear this talk about like players only meeting? And I know they happen, but how often do we, you think about those Bulls teams in the past? Did you hear a whole bunch about players only meetings or was it, hey, they looked like they knew exactly what they needed to do because that is something that was drilled in them from the time training camp started. Like there was no, oh man, we got to get these guys motivated and all of this other stuff. You can have players only meeting, but you have to have like specified instructions and expectations of what you need to do moving forward. Yeah, uh, I, I, this is something I've said before, and I guess I, you know I would caveat it as I'm obviously just you know I'm just a fan on the outside watching the Bulls games, but I've watched the Bulls for a long time. And the thing that's different with what's going on right now with this roster, with this coaching staff, it, it just seems like the Bulls lack a offensive system. They just lack principles and things that like like you like you've been saying, just like what are the roles and responsibilities of this team? Um, you know, you compare it to like a Warriors team right now, or even yeah, if you go back to like the dynasty. I mean, obviously the dynasty had the triangle offense, was really like, you know, it more than anything is just text winners saying like all you guys like when we have the ball you know we're going to do some actions but but like these are things that you know you have to be responsible for 
if the action doesn't go a certain way. And it's just like you can kind of see it in, in the way the Bulls play right now. It's like a, you might get a couple of like semi-coherent like pick and roll actions with two or three guys, but like by that third quarter, it's just kind of like it runs out of gas, right? And it's yeah, it's like okay, it's Damar's turn, it's Zach's turn, it's Vooch's turn on a good night. Um and it's like, where where is the principles? Where is the reads and the cuts and things that just like look like like competitive offense? You know, it's what we had when we did have Alonzo. Um, you just don't see the chemistry this season as consistently as you want to see it on offense. Yeah. Um <laughs> Really need Lonzo. This <laughs> <It's> pretty much <laughs> like the answer to this is, like I said, it's the way the roster was constructed. They like placed everything on having Lonzo there, and it's like Lonzo never has played a full eighty-two games in his career, but you chose to build this team to rely on his availability. A lot of people question it from the start, like, I don't know, because he has a history of being injured. And now (laughs) he's been out for over a year, and we're still here, like, really need Lonzo (laughs) to get things going for this team. And I mean, they but got the, the, the thing is, though, is like, yeah, they're like, we're banking on Lonzo. But the first plan of action was to go out and seek a head coach. Their first plan of action was to seek out Billy. That's what I am trying to like come to terms with. Like, yeah, I understand. Like we, they need Lonzo. Of course, they need what he can bring to this team. But I'm trying to understand what it is from Billy's perspective that they were thinking that he was bringing to this team. Like, because I'm looking at the records, 25 and 22. There's a lot of other coaches on that are in the NBA where this could easily be 25 and 22 the other way with other coaches and better. Like I, I, we've talked about this before. Like you put Spo, pop. Um, I'd even throw Nick. And I know people like, hate, don't like Nick nurse. I throw Nick nurse in there. Nick nurse could have this team at 25 and 22. Like they've had enough players to get the job done with what they, and I'm not saying like obviously competing for the championship, but they've had enough talent on this roster to win some winnable games. And, like, you you go back and you look at these games that they're losing against teams that they have no business losing against. Like, Indiana, who's – how many in a row did you say that Indiana had lost? Was it six? Seven. Seven, seven in a row? Seven game losing streak, right? And we let seven McConnell, McConnell cook us. <laughs> TJ McConnell cooks us. us. A rookie comes in and, like, has one of his best games, although, you know, that rookie of theirs, very talented rookie, but he's still a rookie. 
you know, they're missing um, their best player, that point guard, uh, Howard Burton, who's like getting to coming close to getting into that star level of play. But they've, I mean, this, this is not just one game. Like this is indicative of other games that we've seen throughout the year where the Bulls lose against a team that is missing several players that are on bad teams where they're missing several players and they find a way to lose that game. Like that, that is not just a, oh, roster construction issue. That is a coaching issue. Um, and I don't, I don't know how you get around that. Yeah. Speaking of um, Matherin cooking us, he had praise for one of the Bulls players who didn't even play. <laughs> Was it his, Dalen? His college teammate, Dalen. Yeah. Of course, yeah. That's his boy. <laughs> Said, so, you know, one thing about him, he never gives up. But you wouldn't know that because <laughs> Billy never plays him. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen him on the court, actually, in, in meaningful minutes. We've seen him plenty in the G League. Yeah, the G League. <laughs> the, the whole does not thing is, coach him. That's a yeah, thing. It's, it's a mystery. Like, what is it that's I I, I really want to know, like, what is it that's different about DT versus last season with Io, the season before Pat? Like, I thought we were cool with like playing rookies until this season. Apparently, <laughs> we don't do that anymore. <laughs> think, what were you Pat, no, Pat got played because of injury, right? <laughs> It's just like a another one, uh, another one chalked up to us not developing our players. That's all, and we're we're just like not thinking far ahead in advance either. Like we know we already know that we're probably not gonna have Zoe back this season, but we're not developing we're not developing Dalen either. We picked him up in the draft. He's a point guard. We his player profile looks kind of similar to Zoe. Obviously, he needs a lot of work for sure. He needs to work on. He still needs to work on a shot, but. He's got a very similar profile, but we don't give him any good minutes. We give him the garbage minutes last minute after a very decided game. Um, but again, it all goes back to the same thing. And I'm not, I've never put it all on Billy or coaching. It's, it's a culmination of things, um, but it's also lacking discipline, which it, it's kind of the same conversation we have almost every episode, just undisciplined. Um, and it's unfortunate because, again, we know what we have, we know what they got, we know what they can do, but they just completely, just completely just lose all composure and just do what they normally do. Um, and again, I'm, I'm saying what I already said, but that goes back to leadership again. Like we, we just need a leader. We need somebody to just rally the troops back in and you know, we got to get it together. It's it's so many different things involved, but can be done. Yeah, just like looking at this, looking at this team coming in, because like the Bulls were coming up, like they're doing that back to back. You, I would think that, given the way the roster is with Zach having the injury with his hand, you don't have um, uh, Goran, you know, at your disposal. Javante is hurt. You, you have that opportunity to jump on a young team who is struggling. 
I would have thought that once you see that lead, or like at least you plan for it in your head, hey, if we jump on this team like right away, let me give my, some of my younger players some extra run because my players who are the veterans have been playing extended minutes, plus we're coming off of that parish trip. Let me give them some run to give them in some in-game action, like to expose them and get them used to like the rigors of an NBA season, like legitimate minutes carved out time that I'm specifically going to use that time to develop them and get them some in-game action. And we just didn't see it. And I, I was thinking at some point with that lead, I was like, you know, if I was like coaching this team or whatever, I'd been like, I'm going to give Dalen like eight minutes at some point in this game, depending on how the game like manages itself. And I thought that there would have been a golden opportunity for them to kind of weave him in there just a little bit, given the fact that you were missing these guys who are responsible uh, for providing energy, responsible for communicating, just giving him that in-game action. And unfortunately, there's like another wasted opportunity where they didn't take advantage of, of that chance to do that. Hopefully that's something that moves, that changes moving forward, but you know, with, with what is going on this year, who knows when that's going to happen. It's mad. <laughs> it's yeah, been I three mean, years for Marco. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the opportunities are starting to become slim at this point. I mean, I was looking at the calendar today. I mean, we're almost in February. And what? I mean, statistically, we're already beyond the half point of the season. We'll hit the all-star game and then – what you're really not going to get much run out of them for, for this season at this point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's going to get yeah. more run. He better hope the Wendy City Bulls make the playoffs in the G League. Yeah. <laughs> or he's just yeah. going to be on the bench. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a thought just popped in my head, too, about what you just said, Just um, Even last night, like, if nothing else, like, throwing – DT in there for a couple minutes, that probably would have been a good thing in retrospect, just to give Ozzy a different look that, you know, the Pacers needed to defend. Throw him, like, why not throw him in there just to, like, to throw the other team off at some point? Like, because, you know, we all sit here and we watch, you know, I think for all of us collectively here, as many Bulls games as we watch, I think we know what the patterns are. We know what to expect from that roster as far as, like, who's coming in, who's going to be, you know, running with the rock for a minute. Like, like, yeah, we're just fans, right? We kind of see we, – we can predict to a degree, like, what the Bulls are going to do in a game. Like, and if we can do that, I would like to think that an actual NBA team with a scouting department, they got something in that report that says, oh, yeah, like, you know, at, at this, this minute mark in the second quarter, this is what Billy's going to do. So let's just go ahead and do that and then shut them down and throw them off for the whole second half. Like, I'm just saying, like, maybe throwing some wrinkles there, like, keep the defense honest at some point. And that could be DT, perhaps. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, because no, I, I texted you guys when we had that lead. I was like, oh, look, we're playing through Vooch. In my head, I'm thinking, and they're going to stop in the second half. But I didn't text that guy to you because I did not want to jinx it. But it happened anyway. I'm like, hell, knew this was going to happen. Let's go away from what's working. 
and like both of you guys points we build we're building this lead on the second end of a back of the back you could have thrown dalen out there you could have thrown marco out there because if they lose that lead you're like okay they they were trying to give the young guys some run and put the starters back in and kind of like right the ship you would be accept that would be acceptable with like pretty much everybody because like oh okay well sleep with the young guys can do because we need to develop them all right they lost the lead they got to learn uh, bring the other guys back in to see your star players out there and they're the ones that's just losing this lead and it's like here we go again because it's not acceptable at this point in the season that you're relying on the same players and the same thing is just happening over and over again where we're building these big leads and just letting them slip all the way away with the guys that you're so determined to play and you're not giving other guys on the team opportunity. I mean, did they think that the Pacers were just going to wave the white flag after halftime, it's the NBA. These guys have pride. They're competitors. You're playing a team that's on a seven-game losing streak. They're not just going to accept, ah, uh, well, it's about to be eight tonight. No, they want to snap that streak. They were hungrier. You had some players on your bench that probably was hungrier than the guys that you were playing because they don't get any time. So, of course, they're hungry to prove themselves. So it would have been a good idea to just give Dalen a few minutes, give Marco a few minutes. Instead, nope, let's stick to the same old rotation and let's just go ISO in the second half. Why is this guy still the coach and why did they give him a secret extension? Next, we're going to say that they secretly gave Vooch an extension <laughs> before the All-Star break. Tony Bradley is going to be the one that's on our roster the longest. <laughs> you know, the funny thing with this um, game, like even with the way it turned out, Bulls still had every opportunity to win this game. You know, if they make a couple of more three-points, you can't go – five of 24 i was looking at their starters and i'm like dude your starters were like something like what three of 15 from three-point range like come on man like you you can't have that but like like what morris was saying you know give them a the other team a different look the bulls don't dictate terms to other teams they just you know they they are a reactionary team. They're not a response team. Um, you know, like you, you guys, like um, I was talking to my students, like about how you need to understand the difference between reacting to a situation and responding to a situation. And I use like the, uh, the example of uh, the Avengers because they all know about the Avengers they see in the movie. And I said, you remember um, when I think it was like Dr. Strange, you know, like he's like going through all of the different things that could possibly go wrong with the Thanos invasion and everything. 
and said he's trying to think of a, a correct response so that he can be what? And they were like, successful. I said, yes, trying to be su successful based off of the response. You're not just reacting. Because like the other guys on the team, they just wanted to react to things. But you can't just react to whatever situation that comes up. But that's what I find this Bulls team doing. They are a reactionary team. They're not a response team. And yes, we can put that on the, the players because they need to have better, you know, basketball IQ. But you also need to have a plan. <laughs> you, know, you can't just go up in there. Like you were saying before, yeah, the team is hungry. Teams that playing at home, like they're rested. What do you think that they're going to be doing? Do you think that they don't want to get into the playoffs too? Yes, they want to get into the playoffs, too. They were playing exceptionally well with um, Halliburton when he was healthy. They're not just going to, like, give them that. And plus, they have an NBA coach who has won a championship. You think that Rick Carlisle is just going to be like, all right, guys, you know what? They, they built a 20-point lead on us, so, you know, let, let's just uh, move on to the next game. No. They responded, and they didn't even do much of, like, shooting exceptionally well. They just, as Billy said, brought up their intensity. <laughs> like, well, they bring up their intensity. Why can't you bring up your intensity and go past yeah. their intensity? So, I don't, I don't know. Just, yeah. I, I, you know, a good example on the other side with the Pacers, too, last night, about, yeah, dictating things or just, like, bringing different wrinkles and things just to, like, basically throw, you know, the Bulls off the game. Like, when they did that hack of drumming, like, <laughs> I, it, it just, like, I don't know, maybe it was just me, but I just felt like that that, that completely shut the Bulls down. Like, I, I think that everybody was genuinely like, what is this? Like, like they – it just seemed like it was – and, maybe, yeah, like, I, I, I mean, I probably will look at that clip again like just look at some of those clips but it, like in the moment i just remember feeling like this is weird like i didn't know coaches were still doing that like but like it just it's one of those things where it's like i think about it i thought about today like it's smart because it's it's like you putting a low risk dude on the on the free throw line you're slowing the game down you're giving your team the opportunity to get back in the game which is exactly what they did like that's that's the kind of stuff where it's like to Justin's point, like, you know, when you have a, a, a well-seasoned, like, very experienced, like, deep championship-winning coach, like, you have to be ready for that kind of stuff. And uh, the Bulls just didn't look ready for it. As soon as he said Rick Carlisle's name, the first thing that came to my mind was this man played hacker drumming. <laughs> and not on, like... They got it to where they fouled him off the ball and we got the ball back and Zach got to shoot the free throw instead of Drummond. But it messed Billy up so much, he took Drummond out and never put him back in the game. It's like, uh, I don't know what he's going to do with that. Nope, can't play Drummond anymore tonight. <laughs> it's like, you were thoroughly outcoached just on that. Just on him telling his players to foul your guy. You got outcoached by that. It's yeah, in like, my mind, like Billy is going to his assistants, like, wait, is this legal? Like, can they do this? <laughs> I've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> but you know, yes. Like that, those are the types of things. Like, of course, it's a player's league. You know, players have to perform. 
But like you have like those coaches who are going to win you somewhere between five to 10 games, like in that range, just off of some key decisions that they are making um, substitution patterns, something to throw a team off. And this, this Bulls team is easily distracted. They are like the, the ADHD team of the NBA. Oh, yeah, the attention span of a gnat, as my grandmother used to say. So it's a, it's definitely coaching. It's definitely yeah. a lot to do with coaching. It's a, you know, he, he has a very limited tool set. So it's like something doesn't go the way he planned. And there's like no backup plan. It's just like, and, and everything malfunctions and shuts down. And like, what does a coach do? What does a leader do? Like, you're supposed to bring the best out of all your people, all, all the, you know, you're supposed to bring all your people up, you're supposed to find what this person does best, what this person is not so great at, improve that. And we, we build off of this person's strength. And we don't, we don't do much of that either. I mean, this is nothing new. I feel, uh, and I say this all the time, I feel like we talk about the same things all the time, because it, it really is just, a, it's the same thing, unfortunately, all the time. But, um, but it's fascinating to to talk about it though because it's like you see what you need to change exactly. <laughs> that's, that's why it's so frustrating, and that's why I have been a lot more quiet the last few episodes because I'm like, <laughs> I have no more. I have nothing else more I can say. It's like the the being undisciplined part of it, like that's also part of being a leader. It's part of being a coach. It's part of being a manager. Like you bring everybody back in, like that's what you do. You're supposed to lead the ship. You're the captain, but no, everything just completely malfunctions, shut, shuts down. And we get, uh, it's, that's why we're, we are Jekyll and Hyde. Like we're cool in the first quarter and then something just doesn't go how we want it to, or it's going great the first half. And then third quarter, completely different, completely different team. And we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do anymore. Like, I would love Billy, to be Billy effect. Billy is turning a very talkative, a normally very talkative person, turning them into a mute. Thank you, Billy. We appreciate <laughs> the far-reaching effects that you have past the Bulls organization into this podcast to dictate what we will talk about. I would just love to be a fly on the wall. Like, what is Billy saying in the film room? Like, yeah. when you obviously have to review. Uh, just like a pathetic collapse like that. Like what, what is the conversation about? Yeah. Because I feel like it's gotta be even more quiet when, when you have to look at that on the screen, like who, like, yeah, there should be somebody like getting pretty loud about that, or at least like being like real straight to one, like, Hey, we can't do that kind of stuff anymore. Like something has changed. Like, yeah, like you just wonder, like, are they just like Morris. doing shadow puppets in, in the film room? Like what what's going on? We've actually Morris, talked about first... this before, like about the film. Like, do they even watch film? Like Morris, you'd be the first fly to die from silence. <laughs> because <laughs> Billy doesn't have anything that he's saying. You know, but Stacy did say something like the, the funny thing is, like, the Bulls totally um, threw off, like, I don't know if it threw you off. It threw me off because this Bulls team in that first half was unlike anything that I had seen the entire year. 
like the communication, the rotating on defense, the sharing of the ball. I even tweeted out that there was a play out of a timeout that was perfectly executed underneath our basket that I had not seen like, and I don't know how many years I had never seen them execute a play like that where like they got it right. I, I forget who got the dunk. It was like either a drum and dunk or um, I, think it was um, Derek I, I know Junior. exactly what you're talking about. You yeah, talking so, about? yeah. So it's baseline. It's baseline out of bounds. Um, and it was, I, I tweeted that too um, because Zach screamed for Vooch and then Vooch got that clean dunk. I think that's what you're talking about. It, I'm not sure. I think it might have been that, but, but it, I, I just remember it, like it was so great that I can't even like recall like the exact moments of it because I was like so in awe. I was like, wait, did that just happen? Like, and I was about to go back and rewind it, but I got distracted because I, I didn't recognize what it is that I had just seen. It's like I was like, uh, like Billy in the moment where the hack of drumming, like, wait, <laughs> is this really happening? But like that's the thing is like like what Melissa was talking about is like Jekyll and Hyde with this team. This was like the perfect example of a Jekyll and Hyde moment with this team, um, as we've seen throughout the entire year. But it is fascinating to see some like a team recognize what they are doing that is wrong and what they need to do to make things right and still continue down the path of Oh, this is working. Let's try something different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you made me go back to my game thread from last night. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. So, right, yeah, so I tweeted about that baseline out of bound play. And then right before that, I tweeted, uh, the Bulls are playing normal basketball. I'm happy. Like, because that's that I was totally there too. I'm like, something is weird. Like, these <laughs> Bulls are playing like way too normal. <laughs> Like, until something went wrong, yeah. Then they're like, "Hey, that wasn't supposed to happen, Billy." And he's just like, I, "I don't know, but I mean, I didn't plan for that. That wasn't supposed to happen." Yeah, I'm just as surprised as you were. <laughs> the positive tweets are never safe. Any any positive no. tweets you have in the first half, they're never safe. <laughs> just know that. I saw somebody on the timeline. Um, I quoted him. It was like. I saw it way after the game was over and it was like, there's no way they're going to come back or something like that. There's no way the Pacers are going to come back from this. Like, you know, Bulls are whatever. He was like, sure, they were going to win. And it made me so sad because I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it made me sad all over again because it was like two hours after I was done watching the game. And I'm like, man, what are they doing to us? <laughs> like, what are they doing to us? Poor guy. Yeah. Another thing that I saw, like, was that was funny was at, even with Zach playing poorly because um, he didn't shoot the ball well in the in either half but they seemed like they were genuinely having fun playing that style of basketball <laughs> like that's what I don't understand like hey you know what it's fun when you get to touch the ball just as much as everybody else like, it's not just going to be designed with a DeMar or a Zach Iso. And they seem to not just be having fun, like, scoring the ball, but actually passing the ball. Like, I saw genuine happiness on the faces of this team that I did not recognize. That's what was – it was like – I felt like I was, like, in a bizarro world 
um, where all of these things were happening. And I'm like, I don't recognize this team. And I was happy. And, you know, I'm not, I haven't been genuinely happy with what this team has been doing this year. But, like, did you all feel like you were, like, in some kind of, like, time warp or something? Like, like what are you watching yeah. with, this, with that first half? Yeah, definitely. Seeing yes. that ball movement and stuff, like, what, things that we always ask for. Basically, fundamental basketball. <laughs> <laughs> the basics, you know, like, effort on defense, moving the ball. Um, off ball movements, setting screens, all that. And we, we ended up with like 19 assists, I think, for the whole game, because who knows where everything where everything went after the second half, um, after the first half. But yeah, it was it was a nice first half. We have we've had some nice first halves here and there. It's just the third yeah. quarter. Again, completely different team in the third quarter. We love those third quarters. We love them. That's usually when I pick up my chair. I yeah. pick up my chair at the third quarter. Yes, yeah, so I'm ready to like either whip it across the room or place it back down gently and have a seat. But I'm usually standing with my chair in hand by the third quarter. Yeah, the, f- the first half was um, it was basically a Michael Myers movie before he shows up and starts, you know, <laughs> slashing people. That was what the first half was like. Yeah, like you could play that kind of soundtrack where it's like, oh, it's way too calm, it's way too nice, we're having a good time. And then ow, everybody's dead. Exactly. Was, the second half is when everybody dies. That is the most perfect way to describe. <laughs> that is the most perfect way to describe it. Like, oh, you know, it's coming. Like, it, it's it's too good right now. It's too quiet. Yeah. We're enjoying this too much. Yeah, that was perfect. The, the, the first half, like, yo, know, Paris was good for this team. Like, got the chemistry right. They're playing good. They. One Paris, they came home, they beat the Hawks. Good game. They're playing like this in the first quarter. No, maybe we're going to see some consistency. Second half, they're just like, gotcha. (laughs) And it's the same stuff that we've been seeing. (laughs) And it's like, it's, um, it reminded me of Infinity War. (laughs) Like when the Hawk just comes in, he's smashing everybody and he gets to Thanos and Thanos just lays him out and he refuses to come out just like <laughs> that's what the Bulls did they got beat down and they refused to come back out after that yeah I don't think we're ever gonna really understand this team I mean we beat, we beat Golden State I got to go to that game <laughs> here we go with the Pacers just <laughs> I don't think we'll ever understand the team and you know what yeah, Infinity War, and then we're all like sitting around like in game <laughs> at the beginning of the movie talking about the good old days, <laughs> picking up the pieces and moving up. <laughs> the, good, the good old days of the first half. Yeah. You know, the first half when we were playing basketball. Those are the days. I, I did have a pregame thought before the game last night, and I think it proved to be kind accurate basically like I, I thought last night was going to be a, a pretty big gut check for the Bulls defense because of you know how good they played defense against the Hawks you know coming off that that Paris game as well and I think that's just unfortunately like what sort of got exposed last night too is um you know for a variety of reasons that we've been talking about like you just you can't bank on the Bulls like going beyond a three game span and doing like the right thing beyond like 
you know, we're lucky if they get these three game streaks, but it's like, I feel like something is going to unravel after that third game. That seems like a, a consistent pattern this season. And you can also bring that back to your Michael Myers analogy. The, the three game stretch. And yeah. we hit the fourth game. There goes the music. Cue it. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any way we could get like uh talk to the people in <laughs> the Bulls? Like talk to Stacey or somebody, like have them play that music. <laughs> the Bulls start losing leads like that. Uh, I will lose it. Yeah, they start. Yeah, just somebody needs to get the drop. They're they're funny people too. Like somebody, like hopefully NBC Sports, please, just for me, just once, one drop of the Michael Myers music. (laughs) I I can see Stacy and Adam like humming. (laughs) (laughs) Try getting them that (laughs) Andy. Man, it's like, what can we do to fix this team? And Morris, I know you have like a thread on Twitter of how to build the Bulls back into a contender. Yes. <laughs> Keep what up. Yes. Touch on it a little bit. Yeah, you know, um, one of the things, like, because, I mean, watching so much of this season and just, like, I think, like, any fan just, like, not being all that thrilled, honestly, with what we've seen on the court this year. Um, like I'm kind of, I, I'd like to be a realist most about most things related to the Bulls. And I definitely don't think that like like if we make the playoffs, I think that would be a um punching above our weight this season, honestly. And like what I'm thinking about at this point is like salvage wherever you can get out of the season and do some like ideally you would hope the front office can do some sound management things. Um read into that, like, don't be cheap this offseason. And do some things to start building a coherent roster that continues to evolve from where we, you know, the success we had last season. Because I think there were some good positive things, despite, like, Lonzo being injured. And you can build upon this. Um, One of the things that, like, so, I mean, I think, like, the the high-level summary of, like, what I talked about in that thread, uh, please read it, everyone. It's It's a wonderful thread. Long thread, but good thread. Um, I, I think like we've we've hit the limitations on like what we can truly expect of like the quote unquote the big three. It's it's, it's a roster model where like honestly you're not even seeing it that much in the NBA anymore. I think it's something where like we need to like as a and I'm saying we like me me pretending I'm acne. We have to think about like what is next for this Bulls roster. And I think you have three pieces that on their own individual like playing or like um, playing field or whatever, they are great players. Like you can't deny that. Like Vooch on his own proved against Golden State. Like you can do some awesome things with Vooch. DeMar on his own in in like certain matchups, certain games, like he does great stuff. Zach too. But you've seen now without the aid of a competent point guard like Alonzo Ball, it's really hard to get like consistent, simple offense out of those three guys. Like, the, the idea, the premise I propose, at least at this point, is if I'm retooling the Bulls and, like, that's sort of my mindset, like, I'm not a blow-up kind of person, I think it would be great if the front office could figure out a, like, just land on one star 
and sort of build around a star well, blog, good, confident role players. I think that's really like the next stage the Bulls should go. I think that accomplishes two things. One, it just makes like, for me, I want to see a more simplified offense. Like just get something where like, you know what to expect every night. And like, like we've been talking about, you know, every man on that roster have a like for sure, like defined role. And we know who the star is. And at the same time, it's not like this clunky thing where it's like you have to keep sort of toggling between like who's going to be the man tonight. Like get to one star because you see that so much in like very competitive teams, maybe not necessarily title contenders, but you look at a Mavs, you look at even like a Sixers team, even though they have hard and it's still NB's team. It's going to be NB's team no matter what once we get to like later in the season. Um, you've had these teams where like, um, I think like the NBA speak is like these are heliocentric teams. They're, they, you know, their rosters revolve around one star. I would love to see the Bulls get to something like that. You could potentially do that with Zach. Also, like honestly, you know, if if, if Vooch and Demar aren't here long term, that's what I would love to see happen with Vooch and Demar. Like, I don't need a star for star return on those guys. Like, bring back like competent. Like to me, just bring back a whole roster full of wings for both Vooch and Demar, and let's see what we can do. Um, that's kind of like what my thoughts are and like, yeah, the long thread I did about like, you know, how, how do you make the Bulls a title contender in the long run? And I think it's just like, it's not sexy, it's not pretty kind of transformation, but I think it's something where like if, if Acme, if the front office is really smart and truly about their word as far as like making a winner happen, a contender happen, they have to, um, I think it just has to be continual incremental things every season to build this team up over time and truly like realize that vision they have of continuity. I think you, that's what you've also seen with like the Boston Celtics over these years, because I mean, what, just like a season or two ago, people were like very much on that blow up train about like, Oh, the Jays can't play together ever, but like they, they've stuck with it and, you know, they've gone through ups and downs. They've had trade backfire on them with, you know, uh, Kyrie Irving. And it's just like, I think there's a way like the Bulls can go about this if they're smart and they're committed to truly like improving this roster where like, we can't get to where we, as all Bull fans, want to be at some point. It's just, I think it requires, like, a plan, honestly, at this point. And just being honest with what sort of roster you have and what changes you can make. Um, the thing that would just happen this past offseason can't happen again, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's been, like, you, you said, like, the Celtics having a trade backfire with Kyrie Irving and, you know, they moved on from him, and it's almost like the trade for Vooch kind of backfired a little bit, and I don't think that they want to admit that, and that's why Vooch is still going to be here past the trade deadline because they don't want to admit, ah, we kind of messed up with that one, and instead of seeing what they can get for him, they're like, we gave up too much for him, so... We're going to ride it out with them. And I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, there needs to be a plan. And you paid Zach the max, the most con- highest contract that the Bulls have ever given out. So if you're going to build around Zach, you need to get players to compliment them and build around them. So definitely check out uh, Moritz's trend on that, on Twitter. Um, It's a good read. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, hopefully we can see some better roster moves. I honestly, yeah, it's starting with this trade deadline. I don't think it can wait until the offseason. Like some things have to change pretty much ASAP. Uh, because I just don't I don't I don't have a lot of confidence in, in the way this current roster is, is structured. Yeah, especially if new. Doesn't look like Alonzo will be back this season at all. Um, so yeah, I I, I don't even. <laughs> but we yeah we um got the Hornets tomorrow. Uh, it was a trash team, and we have problems beating trash teams. <laughs> So. We we should we should pretend the Hornets are, um, in fact, the Boston Celtics. <laughs> I, I gotta go and look at that thread too, uh, Morris. But uh, I think that the Bulls could uh, could solve some of their problems by just playing good teams now, like because we see we, <laughs> we see to do well. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like you know, it's interesting you brought up like the roster construction and like with this team is going as far as we believe that it can go because we see how the Bulls have played against some of the top teams in the NBA. And it's not like we see that there is such a disparity between what they have now versus who they are going up against. I don't know how they would work in the playoffs, but you know, I, I'd be interested if the Bulls just like had to go up against a bunch of teams who were like above 500 the rest of the way, <laughs> what, what, would that solve everything for the Bulls and give them the mentality that they need going forward? Probably not because Billy's there, but, you know, it would just be an interesting case study. Yeah, the Bulls just become like the ultimate spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we finish out this week with the Hornets and then the the Orlando Magic. Oh, and two. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I won't, I won't bet against that. I won't argue that. I mean, if we're going off at of team tendencies, right? Like, you know, is Wendell going to be back and gassed up again? I mean, pretty much that seems to be like the mo. <laughs> I was going. One and one. I, I don't think we lose to the Hornets, but if but Wendell loves playing against us. Wait, didn't the, Horn the Hornets just beat somebody? I thought they might have just beaten the Hawks or something like that. It's possible. The thing I might be worried about tomorrow, honestly, because um I've seen like I've seen a couple of minutes of some Hornets games lately on League Pass. Mason Plumley all of a sudden start. He's looking like like baby Jokic or something like Mason Plumlee all of a sudden is just like getting to the rim and just like doing all kinds of stuff all over the court. Like I, I, that's what I'm, I'm afraid of like Plumlee doing some crazy stuff against us tomorrow that he shouldn't be doing, but because it's us get like a 30 point Plumlee game. <laughs> Are we going to have a Plumlee breakout game? <laughs> Who is going to be the underrated player that has a breakout game for us tomorrow night? I'm like, look, now that you mentioned it, um, last week, a couple of my players on fantasy got were like out with injuries. So I'm looking at a player to pick up while they're out. 
Look at Mason Plumley's numbers. I'm like, what in the world? Picked him right on up. What? So it would not yeah, surprise me. If it might need to check Plumley. Plumley. Like Plumley might be juicing. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm just gonna go one and one here. Magic are beating Indiana right now. I think the Magic just beat uh, Boston, didn't they? Like it was like really? a, a game or a night ago. Yeah, I, I, the Magic is the the one and the L column that I'm getting. <laughs> just. I don't know. I don't know. I mean. I, we can't lose to the Hornets after blowing the twenty-one point leads to the Pacers. Where are I mean, we playing? We, we can, but <laughs> this these are both road games. Road games, it's possible. Yeah, yeah it's possible. Um, the Bulls are innovative. <laughs> can't count the Bulls out. That's the thing. Like the confidence is like is less and less and less with these predictions as the weeks go. Before I was like two one. 2-0. But now I'm like, man, I, I really don't know. There's like no logic to be applied to this situation. <clears throat> well, <laughs> yeah. I'll just uh, go one one. I'll go one one. I'll go one one. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sticking. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. So many, guys, so many guys on this team uh, for the Hornets, I do not recognize. It's like Plumley and and uh, and. And scary Terry, like that's that's all I recognize on this team. Like, it's a bunch of guys that are just like fringe NBA players and castoffs, and I have a feeling that we will have a hard time putting them away. So Lamelo's still out. A bunch of guys that can go off on us is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. No, you mentioned scary Terry. Yeah, I, I'm. Ex- I, he's going to be scary tomorrow because, like, that's the mo recipe for like how we get cooked is somebody who ordinarily is not hitting the shot, all of a sudden Scary Terry is going to look like, what, 2017 Terry or whenever he was on the Celtics. Dennis Smith Jr. Like, <laughs> Is LaMelo still out? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hayward is questionable. Uh, got P.J. Washington. Need to, you know, print out some pictures of Brittany Renner and throw him off his game, and <laughs> <laughs> maybe Boots can face off a bit. I don't know. I'm, I'm just hopeful that we at least get one win <laughs> in between these two games. If you want to know, like how, like. If you want to like get a good idea, like just look at the odds. Like Vegas has Chicago at a minus five and a half. So that 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 should not be that low, considering who is missing <laughs> from the Charlotte Hornets. But Vegas knows, uh, unless the refs decide they want to reset the odds. <laughs> Uh, 
Oh man. So yeah. Uh, hopefully <laughs> we can get away somewhere in these two games. Uh Monday we play the Clippers, which is probably a win because they're interesting. <laughs> Actually they're not. They've been like reeling. Uh, then that, that just changes the off. Of the um, next three games, yeah, we should win a game, if nothing else, only because of statistics, not because like we're going to do something <laughs> better, per, probably, but stats say we're going to win a game. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> that's pretty much the show for this week, Morse. Thank you for coming on. You want to, um, my pleasure. Tell the people your Twitter handle so they can check out your trends. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MoBanks10. That's M-O-B-A-N-K-S-1-0. Uh, I tweet. I usually live tweet the Bulls games and try to throw in some other um, like content in the mix. Yeah, definitely like the um, the longer tour, the longer thread about um, you know how the Bulls become a title contender, sort of a long form thing there, just to like provoke some thought on the Bulls and then some other fun, uh, entertaining stuff. Again, yeah, definitely um, every morning I'm waking up Bulls Nation, making sure they know how much Pat knows how to cook. So check out that uh, hashtag Jason Tatum's angles menu as well. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Until the next time, go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.